Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about The Hunt, and I am happy to be joined by my friend Josh Brown to talk about this one. Josh, how's life going? A lot going on, huh? Yep, alive and well. Extended spring break, baby. So yeah, right now I'm I'm, I'm quarantined. Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm sorry to your listeners. I, I did a poor job flattening the curve. Because on the behalf of you, I went to the theater to go see The Hunt on Saturday. And it was in a small theater where every seat was taken. So I was right next to people. And so I was Corona yeah. pro. See, I, 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 my, my, my showing was at the one of the biggest non-IMAX screens in my theater. And there was maybe like eight people in the theater of, of like – that seats like 400 or something probably or 300 so i was like very very spread out and i was very happy and i did not feel at risk at all so i, I was in a theater that's uh 25 people i appreciate you putting your life on the line for us uh but yeah josh is uh at home and has nothing better to do than watch movies because he's a teacher and his school district is out so uh he really didn't have an excuse to not go see the movie so he did that for us and put himself at risk uh, I'm still working like a regular human being, even though we'll see how much that longer that lasts. Hopefully, uh, there's some unforeseen change in these circumstances, but the hunt might be the last movie for a while that we're talking about that any of our listeners get to see in a theater. Though I don't think that many listeners actually would have seen hey, the theater because it didn't make a lot of money. Hey, Josh, like, yeah. I have a question for you. How would you feel if the hunt ended up being the last movie you ever saw in a theater, which might be possible because we don't know if theaters are going to survive you know the corona crisis after you know studios figure out whether or not to just put things on streaming platforms and audience members get used to that like regal already announced that it's closing all its theaters like how would you feel if the hunt was the last movie you saw in the theater that's a good question my initial reaction was to say that would be awful because spoiler alert i didn't like the hunt but (laughs) i actually would actually be okay with it because the last five five and a half years of my life has really been defined by the amount of time I've spent in a movie theater. Growing up, I used to only go to movies that like I thought I was going to enjoy. And then Mm -hmm. it became, as it became more of a hobby, even before it became a podcast, I would, I just started seeing stuff a lot just to be informed. And I, I was kind of amused at myself for like going to see things that I didn't expect to be good because I was doing out of quote unquote professional obligations. So I've spent more time than I'd care to admit in theaters watching movies that aren't good for the last five years. And I think it would be kind of funny if I went out like actually just seeing what I thought was a bad movie. Like I I think I, I think I would be okay with it though. You're really scaring me with your hypothetical. How, how would you personally feel if it was the last movie you saw in a theater? Like I, I like the movie more than you. Yeah. Uh, But it'd be pretty, it'd be a pretty anticlimactic way of going out. I remember in 2017 when Dunkirk, uh, when I saw Dunkirk in theaters, and I was thinking, "Wow, this might be the last hurrah for like the theatrical experience, and what a way to go." Uh, that's not the same feeling I have with the Hunt. <laughs> it's a movie, but it's definitely one you could probably, you know, watch at home and be as satisfied with. <laughs> um, well, well, ironically enough, like we have the. Uh... 
like we there's a, we were just talking about it before we started recording. We have another Christopher Nolan movie this summer that looks like it would probably be a pretty big event to go see, and now that might be in jeopardy as a theatrical release. So, uh, well, it's kind Nolan's going to hold out to like 2025 until like you can see it in a yes, theater. Yes, yes, I, I for sure. I, I actually, I guess what I would the, the last one I would have seen uh, if it hadn't been the Hunt would have been Onward, and I would rather it be the Hunt. The Hunt's just like a much more interesting movie to go out on, I would say, than Onward yeah. for me. Uh, more more thematically appropriate. It feels like an, an apocalyptic dystopian, yeah. you know, and, and more just more interesting to talk about. I think I think I might have ended up coming out of it with more strong feelings than you did, but I just think it's much more interesting to talk about than that. One before that I saw was The Way Back, good movie, great uh, movie. One before great. that was one before that was Emma. I didn't like that as much. So I mean, it's been a it's been a kind of an up and down couple weeks here at the theater um, since seeing <laughs> Portrait of Lady on Fire almost a month ago now, but. Yeah, so The Hunt is the newest movie from uh, director uh, Craig Zobel. It's written by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. It was the subject of a lot of controversy back in the fall when there were a couple mass shootings, unfortunately, and uh, the president heard something about the movie and said something derisive about it, not really even knowing what it was about. That spooked Universal and and Blumhouse into not putting it out at that point, and they were just going to totally cancel it, uh, both literally and figuratively, I guess. And then all of a sudden, they ended up uh, deciding, hey, we're going to put it out March 13th. Pretty not, not much going on in the world, not really a busy time for movies, so maybe we'll really be, really be able to make a splash with this. And uh, unfortunately for them, we have this whole other crisis going on right now that just kind of uh, rain on their, their parade. But as many know that might have followed the controversy in the first place, it kind of uh, – the movie ends up uh, – the conceit of the movie initially is that these people that – I don't even want to say for they're from red states because you know I think the, one of the characters mentions he's from Staten Island initially. I think it's just a certain uh, type of uh, internet comment uh, right wing type of folk uh, are actually. Can we get into this little like for a second? Yeah. All right. Brief nitpick. All right. Right. So yeah. Well, well here's the thing. Staten Island is a conserv. It's like that conservative part of New York City. Yes. Right? Um. It's where you get your like republic. Your Republican congressman from like you know New York City. That uh, that in the uh, Orthodox Jewish part of Brooklyn. But go on. <laughs> yeah. But then there's another one, and I was offended by this. Like, like one of these, uh, one of the pe- people that is presented as like Orlando, Orlando. from Orlando, Florida. We know, we know what you guys are really like, <laughs> which is not fair, which to be fair, I know like, one of the most diverse, progressive places in the state, right? Yeah, no, 100%. Like we, we are it's like Broward like, County than Orlando. Yeah, yeah. Orlando is like 60%, almost like 60% Democratic, or at least that's how it voted in 2012, and I think even 2016, like 60-40. Also, huge Latino population, but this is the second movie by a major like uh, Hollywood production to present us like white trash because the other one is Florida Project, right? Like this is what this is what people think of us. <laughs> I don't even think that's fair. Yeah, at least the Florida Project like it was confined to a very specific part of Orlando, and you know that you're in a very specific place. Like here, they're just like this is the this is the representation of Orlando. But yeah, so <laughs> it's drawing. It's not even drawing people from. I mean, I guess I guess Florida unfortunately is a redder state than it should be, but like uh, it's not really what you think when you think. 
red state, you know? And yeah. that's, that's kind of how this movie had been uh, reduct- reductively described is like, you know, the blue state people are hunting the red state people. But, you know, let's just say the quote unquote deplorables from various parts of the country are uh, dropped into a, uh, are just rounded up and then dropped into this uh, abandoned uh, wilderness area. And it's kind of like most dangerous game. And they're being hunted by the quote unquote liberal elites for sport. And uh, this was obviously part of what caught the president's attention. He made the comment about it because no one really knew what this movie was. Some people thought it was just going to be like mocking these people from the red states. Some people thought, oh, and then then now I've actually heard this movie described since it actually got released, Josh, as like, oh, this is the most conservative movie of the year. And then some people were thinking that like, oh, it's mocking these people. And it's really from a strong liberal point of view. And basically, but that's, that is basically what this movie is. It's a hunt and it kind of goes on an adventure. And I, I think we're going to talk a little bit about this movie a little broadly and maybe then go into a spoiler section because it is kind of easy to spoil. But I'll, I'll, I want to start there, Josh, is did you leave this movie thinking, wow, this is just a really super conservative movie or wow, this movie just totally mocked the conservatives. Did you end up thinking it had a, a strong viewpoint one way or the other? When I came out of this movie, I sort of came out of it the same way I do Red Dawn, which, a movie that I love much more, but it's like, oh, this is this is a fun movie with a really backwards conservative ideology that I have to, like, reconcile with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hmm. I'm not, like, proud to say I like this film because of its politics, but also by admitting, like, it's problematic or whatever. I feel like that's what the movie, like, wants me to fucking say, and I don't want to give it that, you know? Well, you want to know my prevailing takeaway was, like, probably halfway through the movie, which just made me upset, was that I didn't think it was made from a strong conservative viewpoint or a strong liberal viewpoint. I thought it was made from a smug, centrist viewpoint. Yes, and, that is one hundred percent. You're right. It's basically like, um, like it's it's made by someone like 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 a rich like Hollywood elite like who's looking at his liberal friends on like the day after the election, just being like, "Look at you guys are so annoying about like being freaked out by this thing or whatever." Blah 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 blah. Yeah, you're right. It's just like the, it, it, maybe that, but also just that. Like I felt like it was one of those people that just likes to step back and say, you know, all those liberals are crazy, all these conservatives are crazy. Yeah. They're just basically equally crazy. Like they really just need to like figure their stuff out, and they don't really know it's what. And you really just need to come together and really recognize that both sides are bad, and we need to like figure out something in the middle. Because it really just felt like that's what it was. Like this is what like the quote unquote liberals in this movie, where I think what was maybe like what the worst possible version of what a quote-unquote liberal elite was yeah. and then the conservatives were i guess what honestly maybe not that far off base uh for, for 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 what they were trying to portray them as you know like oh these are the people and it felt like that was a more realistic version of what your median uh maga person might be and, and these like false equivalency type things as well where like you know if you're someone living in the Trump era and like concerned about children in cages or, you know, like the cuts of the social safety net and, you know, protections for transgender people like in school, like all these things. Right. Like if you're concerned about that shit. Right. You're just kind of portrayed as like a fucking smug liberal elite who just like like is looking down on like middle America or whatever and, and can't get beyond your own like prejudices except for the fact that like their prejudices like might also be like kind of racist you know like hmm. it's one of these false equivalent type things yeah and at the same time like like I said 
the it, it is because you know for one well, I think I think in order to try and make it kind of balance in this movie, like they they to turn the quote unquote liberal elites into murderers, which is like it's that's not a thing that really happens, at least to my knowledge. That like they, they aren't like rounding them up and playing the most dangerous game. That's just like not a thing, and that's what they have to do to make it seem like they're bad too. And that's just like not the case. So I think a far more interesting version of this movie, even if it's like you're you're having to give up this idea of playing both sides and spoofing the liberals, is to actually like maybe just like make the make the quote-unquote uh hunters rich republicans and uh kind of spoof the idea that like they actually have the interest of like the working people at heart and and, and they're they actually think about them and put their interests first in any way and that would be an actually more interesting stronger message to send and being like hey like these people that pretend to like have these populist economic viewpoints they don't really care sh- at all about these people and maybe that should have been it because instead the movie just falls into this very, for me, falls into this really, really like cringy dialogue at a lot of times we're trying to like throw out this 21st century terminology from what their idea of an overly woke person might be. And right. it, it, it like contorts itself to like get certain terms in the movie over and yeah. over again. It's, it's an overly didactic film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and like, but the problem we have is like, you know, we coming away saying like, all right, like, I don't like it's not necessarily fair that they're presenting us like this, blah, 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 blah. It's like sort of like the movie's point. It's like you like you liberals can't handle it. Like you liberals can't handle like any critic, any criticisms of like you being like the prejudice. Like so you're we're contorting ourselves in the pen in a pretzel, almost of critiquing this movie because, you know, we're falling into the trap of like what the movie's critiquing us about, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, and I and I and I and I guess that's just like kinda on my mind. I'm not even and I don't even think I was like offended as a liberal watching it though. Instead I was just like just this feels like they're trying really too hard to do something here that I don't really think anyone was asking for. And I saw an interview with Betty Gilpin in the New York Times, and I think she's actually a really interesting interview. And I I mean she's the only reason I like even think this movie's worth seeing personally. I really like her in it. But really great performance, like and you probably like know her more than I do because you watch a lot of television. I mean, I, I, I've only watched her on Glow, and that's basically it. But yeah, she's oh. yeah, because I've never seen Glow, but like, it's my first time introduced to her. And like, I you know, at first I didn't know like who she was. Like watching, it, I was like really impressed by the performance. And then at the end credits, when it said Billy, I'm like, oh, this is the Betty Gilpin that everybody's been talking about. And I was like, wow, this is a really great performance. Like, does she have a southern accent, or that's um, for the movie. No, I think I think that's just for the movie. Yeah, great performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, it's funny. Like on, on Glow, she plays the like like the all American character of the wrestling troupe who has to put on a she's Liberty Bell and she has to do like a kind of like a southern a southern accent as part of that. But I actually think she's like just like from yeah, she's from New York. Uh, so I mean, good for her. Like it didn't it doesn't feel like forced or just bad in any way, really. Oh, she was in Stuber too. I forgot to choose. Like Stuber. I could feel like it was someone doing an accent, but I was just like, "It's a really, really good performance." Like, yeah, like, she's she gets to be. She's obviously serious, very competent, but also very funny. But 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 what she said in this interview is that like, oh, I I want it to be something where you know you can go to the movies with that relative that you never feel comfortable talking to at Thanksgiving, and you guys can just both get a laugh. And I'm like, that just doesn't sound like my idea of a really good time. I mean, uh, I would rather go yeah. see. I, I would rather go see Knives Out with that relative and just have that relative not pick up on the fact that maybe it's like uh, 
doesn't agree it has a message that movie has a message it doesn't that they wouldn't agree with and they can just enjoy knives out on the surface like i don't need to see this kind of movie to get along with that relative and which by the way this seems like as as this seems like almost kind of like a white person thing like i always like find it amusing where like uh the idea of like the thanksgiving dinner <laughs> for like got because like in my house like we're all democrats like we're all <laughs> like have the same liberal ideology maybe some more progressive than others but yeah i can't relate i'm i'm hoping that like maybe this uh this is a little bit of a tangent but i'm hoping that uh i'm gonna get my dad to finally vote for a democrat this year after uh biden came out and endorsed uh liz warren's bankruptcy plan because my dad is like a a lifelong republican even though he's a bankruptcy lawyer who like (laughs) voted for george bush despite the fact that george bush voted for the the 2005 bankruptcy bill that made it way harder to file for bankruptcy so i'm like hey dad maybe don't vote against your interest again and i'll finally get him to vote for a democrat and to be clear biden was like my eighth choice but like if that's what it's gonna be (laughs) maybe that'll get my dad to vote for a democrat um i like i always sort of figured like with you like your immediate family were like you know like liberal democrats like i I don't even know like it's just like that's such a like no like my family's like very i mean my 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 parents are split on that regard and then like i have all this extended family in pensacola which is a very conservative part of the state obviously but like i have a good mix within the family a very i'd say we come out pretty well for my we we kind of come out on a pretty good ratio given the part of the state we're from is what i would say um i mean i feel like me i was that smug centrist in high school and i feel like that was a win coming from the panhandle of florida so i mean like i feel like that that if i had been coming from like i probably would have ended up at smug centrist if i'd come out of there as um as like a hardcore republican and then actually gone to a diverse school then maybe i would have ended up at centrist so at least i left high school at centrist and then that kind of uh i was able to like it wasn't as long of a road to hoe to get to where i am now from there (laughs) that's just easy to me like i just i like it's just one of those things where like you know like like the weird thing is, is that I think my politics are about the same as it was in eighth grade, where huh. like, it's like you know, like in in like ninth grade, I read a People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn, like read a lot of progressive stuff, in the same way, like. Okay, so then let me ask you then, given that those are so clear your politics, uh. If and tell me if you can't really answer this without spoiling the movie, and then I'll move on to spoilers section. But given what your politics and how clearly defined they've been for so long, uh, what was it that actually probably allowed you to come out of this movie not feeling quite as negative as I did? And given that you did actually feel that it was coming at it from a rather conservative viewpoint, if that was uh, your takeaway as you were watching it, even if you did ultimately agree with my assertion that it might have been from a centrist viewpoint. Um. So basically, this is the thing. I. I'm used to like prop like stuff that like I may find politically problematic, like like in my art that I don't necessarily like. It doesn't really impact like my overall. Well, it impacts my overall opinion, but like, pretty sure you would vote for Anthony Weiner ahead of Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) I remember your thoughts on Weiner. You really, you really were taken with that guy when you watched that documentary. See, he lost me at the third scandal. Like, the first scandal, I was like, look, man, we're being too hard on him. But when he started tweeting teenagers, I mean, t- texting that's teenagers. That's where you draw the line. Yeah, that's where he loses me. But, no, but, like, yeah, I could usually, like, divorce, like, the politics of the movie with, like, maybe, like, the craft of it. Like, so, like, for instance, like, 
I I I really like like Dirty Harry. I really like like stuff that John Milius has done, who's like this famous right winger uh, who did Red Dawn. Like Red Dawn, I love. I find that like a fun movie, and it sort of gives me insight to like what that that type of mind you know so in this case like you know like the jason blum of it all sort of works like you know i, I sort of feel like fine he has to like throw uh, these people like a bone like you know and but like it still fits that blum blumhouse like formula of like you know a fun thriller where it's like a socially socially conscious conscientious message except i don't really agree with the message of this movie but it's still like if you just took it at its surface as like a thriller in which like you know as a retelling of the most dangerous game of these people trying to survive and you have this like fun performance at the center um yeah i i thought it was well done in that regard right again i guess my biggest thing was like i just didn't really agree with them i don't know what the message was beyond like hey the far right's bad the far left's bad it's just like let's just figure something else out like that i i i guess my biggest problem was i didn't know if it had a message beyond that it felt like maybe it tried to have one and i it just didn't it failed at it uh is this the bloomberg of movies oh gosh uh i uh (laughs) no i i I feel like this movie might be a little more likable (laughs) <laughs> or maybe even a little more uh i mean i think bloomberg's more of a, i think bloomberg is more of a republican than this movie is if this movie was a if this movie did have a, a political affiliation um but uh yeah i this movie at least has like no and also well, yeah. i and also i would say this movie has person this movie has a personality too that's what i would say yeah <laughs> yeah like also we have to see how well it's itunes sales does in america samoa before we like <laughs> Give it the Bloomberg distinction. Very true, very true. Um, but yeah. yeah, so I guess, I don't know. I just didn't really have a point of view. Very fun Betty, Betty Gill performance, but I mean, I don't know. Just, uh, like I said, very cringy dialogue, and I don't know. It's like... It I, Hillary Swink is actually pretty I, good. I, I would say... I would, yeah, yeah, and I, I would say some of the... Uh, I would say uh, some of the action is also pretty good, and um, for whatever that's worth, I could I could still appreciate that even if I didn't appreciate the movie I was making. And I mean, I may, I'm sure there might be like besides like Million Dollar Baby, like I'm not sure if Hillary Swink's done anything that'd be considered action before. Uh, yeah. This feels like a weird like like the Blumhouse is kind of like you know like Roger Corman of the '70s or like where it's just like okay, these once distinguished actors like they hit, come about like hard times and so they got to do their like low budget Blumhouse movie where they get to have fun, you know, like and I was glad to see Hillary Swank in this vein. Yeah, I mean, I can't re- I couldn't tell you what the last thing she did besides Logan Lucky was and she barely really had a part in that. So, I mean, if she's cool signing up for fun stuff like this, like I'm happy for people to give her the opportunity because she got to sink her teeth into something. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, know, that's pretty much it. Uh, but yeah, I want to move on to the spoilers section. I actually, I would just say, let's just say someone made it this far and hasn't decided if they're going to watch it or not yet. I would just say like, I would actually would recommend watching this because I think it's important to support Blumhouse. We might stand a legend. Oh, wait, who are you referring to? Jason Jeez, Blum? Blum. Okay, sure. But, like, I mean, I think – I can't remember if this is what we were talking about before we started recording or not, but, like, we – or if we did already point out the fact that they made this commitment Universal did to putting something like this, uh, Emma, uh, the Trolls movie, and I think something else out too on uh, on demand now, uh, Invisible Man. Uh, they're going to put all those out there uh, just to 
be available for people to watch uh, for, from when they're quarantining, when they're home, they're going to put it on demand and people are going to be able to rent it for a little bit of an increased price, like 20 bucks, which some people are bitching about online. But like, I mean, they said, cause that's more expensive than your average movie ticket. But look, if you're, if you're with one other person in your quarantine, then like you're paying less than the average movie ticket. So I don't, I kind of get it. Like it's a little bit of a financial risk for them. And I, I just, I, I do think, think people should support them because uh, Blumhouse is like a national treasure in some, in some ways. And it's cool that someone exists that, uh, makes these kind of movies and i think people should go see it because it'll like spark conversation and i'm I'm not talking about that dinner table thanksgiving table conversation i'm thinking about but i think it's just an interesting movie to talk about even if i didn't think it was good so it's it's worthwhile from that perspective and just from being able to financially support a studio that i think we want to support as as we see if like how important theater is going to be moving forward so would you agree with that assessment yeah man like i'm always like for me i'm always down to support Blumhouse because in my opinion they have more hits than misses and even their misses I think are a little bit more admirable um, than a lot of things so you know like I'm just look they, they made this for probably like five million bucks yeah support them yeah 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 for sure okay I'm going to jump into some spoiler talk now uh so if you don't if you do care about spoilers go away rent the movie on itunes or whatever and then come back or go see in your theater if you can be like three of 400 three one of three people in a 400 seat theater like i was and maybe you're kind of safe and support your local movie theater uh but yeah so i guess i guess the only thing i'd really say with spoiler section about this because that i one thing i did kind of get a chuckle out of josh was uh like the first like 10 minutes of the movie where I kind of, I, I kind of liked how it was like trying to. I really liked the thing where it had the Emma Roberts and Justin Hartley like have that little exchange, and you're like, oh, these are going to be two characters that are going to have a thing throughout the movie, and then they're dead in like five minutes. And I kind of respected like actually upending your expectations like that, and like I thought that was kind of cool. And that was before I actually figured out what the movie was about, so I was like enjoying myself at that point. <laughs> so I could say I actually kind of enjoyed what they were doing there, even if I soon came to like not enjoy the rest of the movie. Were there any other of the plot mechanics or things we later learned about the plans of the quote? quote elites that you particularly liked or disliked yeah no i really like you said i was really taken aback that like um they pulled a screamed and like off like emma roberts who like i think only has like one line of dialogue if even and you don't even get any backstory on her character i think it's just assumed that she's maybe like a tommy lauren type was where i thought they were going with that um and and then like ike barinholtz i'm like okay maybe ike barinholtz is our lead and then he's off mm-hmm. like it was just like i uh, like i love that like it sort of bounces from you know possible leads and you don't know where it's going um and then you know i like how it does the non-chronological order thing towards the end where it gives you like, all right, a couple months later, this is how they like plan this uh, out. Like I like the construction of the script. And so that type of stuff is why like I'm not as harsh on the film as like you were, where I, yeah. I found it enjoyable. Yeah. I'll also say Glenn Howerton, uh, great casting for a smug douchebag. Uh, bonus points for like they can even put him in a movie since that guy is just like, you know, I've never seen him like basically in anything other than like season one of Fargo outside of It's Always Sunny. So it's I thought it was like a smart use of him. But yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like that stuff. It's just it was all like front loaded. And then after that, it was just all downhill for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end, what did you think about it being like, you know, we're trying to figure out how they that's like a persistent question throughout this movie is like, why these people, uh, you know, and we, we're ultimately led to find out, you know, they were angry internet commenters and that uh, these people who work for some corporation, we don't really figure out what their work was, 
but that they had some kind of whoever they are they're big big enough deals that people care about care about it when their text messaging thread gets leaked and it talks all about them killing the deplorables yeah so it's sort of like a parallel to like pizza gate and like the emails and stuff like that like like we're like pete like right-wing conspiracy theorists theorists like thought like when hillary's emails were leaked like her you know close confidants like we're conspiring against them in a larger uh new world order scheme or whatever yeah so whatever it might be they, they it turns out because i think we're led to believe at first that like the hunt is a is an annual tradition that these people have and that they always get together for it it's just the thing that they do and i it turns out that like no they actually joked about it and it's not a thing that they did and it got them all fired from their jobs but they're all really rich so they're able to pull off a massive scheme like this what do you think what did you think about that twist did it all of a sudden where all of a sudden maybe like actually i don't know is I don't know if it's meant to like switch your sympathies more to the to the to the hunted or what, but it it kind of because I, I, nothing really justifies like killing a bunch of people to begin with, but it, like it seems like and then on top of that they got the wrong uh, they got the wrong crystal. Uh, which is Betty Gilpin's character, and we never even really learned what her political viewpoints are because she was taken by accident. So I feel like that for for me that twist right there I, I felt was kind of like a taking the easy way out and trying to like have your cake and eat it too. It was like as yeah. the movies trying to make you have these like tough conversations with yourself about like uh hey do we need to like actually uh listen to these uh, other folks and the quote-unquote deplorables more uh do we need to like come together and really see their side of things and then it's like oh by the way the most likable character in the movie is not even part of that group and i was like huh mm-hmm. it seems like you guys kind of wimped out there uh what did you think about that ultimate twist but how uh it kind of recontextualizes what these quote-unquote elites have been doing but also what our what our heroine's background actually is did you did that work for you or do you think it only partially worked for you or didn't work at all well i mean like i was just interested in sort of like learning about um like hillary hillary swank and like her uh uh, subordinates or collaborators on this but like it's sort of telegraphed from the beginning like that twist to me didn't really feel like a twist because it's sort of telegraphed early on that okay there is this liberal conspiracy to off these like right wingers like for whatever you know like whatever specific reading uh, reason they don't like these right wing people um i guess it, yeah i guess more it's more of a it's i guess that's not really such a spoiler because whatever it is they still did the thing it's, it doesn't really yeah. matter that they didn't do it every year but i guess more that it seems like is the movie trying to make some statement about the way we talk in america today in our online discourse and whatever and i guess that's almost more of a that 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 was all it took for them to do it it was almost more the twist and it's like should should that have really been where they went with it where it was like they're kind of warning us about how we communicate in modern times and i'm like that feels a little like you said didactic you already used that term before didactic heavy-handed it's like come on guys like we just need to like be civil is what it almost felt like yeah and again like I, 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 I one thing I did like about that development though is like you, like there's like the one dude who's pretending to be a refugee or, and like you get a little bit of backstory of like his motivation there like the, the, just to get adds a little bit more like flavoring to it or cut like color but you know other than that like I I pretty much like you know was on for the ride on board for the ride the entire time like i wasn't really ever bored i was pretty engaged by it and as like you know as a you know as a tight little thriller i think the movie works you know um even if like 
you get into how dubious like the false equivalency is like i still think that it works and then you get that wonderful finale between betty gilpin and hillary swift where they have this fight scene that's like pretty well choreographed um and i liked how like it's like they're equally matched like um um in that fight too like um i i, I thought that was uh, pulled off well yeah i guess like i mean i don't want to say it's totally unique to have uh two women fighting on screen like that but it seems like that was it's sometimes maybe when women fight in movies they don't give them like quite the level of choreography and sophistication in their actual uh fighting as they would men and it seemed like that could have easily been something that was i don't want to like it's no insult to say maybe it's not on the level of what you would see in like a John Wick movie, but mm-hmm. it was still like I felt like it didn't feel like they like watered it down at all because it was two women fighting, which I respected. Yeah. So. Any other thoughts on this movie? Not really. You know, it's like it's one of those movies that like um, if it wasn't for the whole controversy over the film, which is kind of funny because when I'm watching this, I'm like. Man, it feels like like Blumhouse threw you guys like a bone. The people that were really pissed off about it, like I feel like the like the Fox News viewers that that were up in arms about it in like the fall probably would like this movie more than yeah. you know some of our more liberal friends. But so it's just kind of ironic. But aside from those the controversy and the unique timing. Um, and as maybe as like a cultural artifact, because this will be a cultural artifact like 10 years from now, like we <laughs> divorced from the political moment. Like, you know, it's, it, 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 you know, it's a, it's, it's a pretty lightweight movie like that. You know, I don't think that, you know, it, 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 it's a film that like you come out of it, like thinking it's like one of the greatest films of the year or anything like that. It's just, it's just like a fun movie you see, and then it quickly evaporates in your head. But given the weird controversy surrounding it, you know, it's what's sort of keeping it relevant. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I guess I, I mean, I, no, I agree with that. I just, and I, and I would also let people know, even though I didn't like it, like Josh said, there's enough fun stuff going on in it that like, I wasn't like itching to like leave or like hating it or just bored out of my mind i was just like man i just don't really like what they're doing here but it's it's not something that you're gonna like mind sitting through it's only 90 minutes and it's uh still like it, it puts plenty of fun stuff to look at on the screen is what i'd say so uh i didn't like it but again i still recommend people go see it it's worth talking about it's important to support movies right now uh definitely go check it out and let, let me know what you think because i think it's interesting to talk about and i'd like to hear more perspectives on it uh josh before we get out of here uh unfortunately like there's not a i i don't think there's a new movie for you to promote throughout the year as you have you've had the last couple years on this podcast whether it be a gemini man or a welcome to marwin so do you have anything else you're watching right now it can be anything else on streaming anything else you recommend people watch because you don't really have anything to promote because we don't know when any movie is coming out in the future anything else you think people can watch that's more accessible from their home um, yeah, you know, Universal just dropped Trolls World Tour. Um, <laughs> um, no, like, really what I've been watching is I've been going through, like, the Criterion channel. I've been watching. There's a lot of, there's some cool hype, actually, for you. I think you dig this. Like, there's two cool heist movies 
on the Criterion channel. The one that I would recommend specifically to you, because I think you like Sidney Lumet um, in like that 70s New York period, there's one called The Anderson Tape, which is sort of like a trial run for Dog, Dog Day Afternoon. I've actually never seen Dog Day Afternoon. I, that's, that's, I, I, I'm making it a point to watch some old stuff that I have been meaning to get to since um, just my options are going to be limited. So Dog Day Afternoon is right there, but you said it's called The Anderson Tape? Yeah, it starts okay. like Sean Connery, and it's a heist movie. I think you, I you know, I know you love heist movies with Ocean's mm-hmm. uh, Eleven as your favorite movie. So I think that one you probably dig. Um, and then there's another one, a cool companion piece. Um, and it has Warren Beatty and um, Goldie Hawn. It's one I watched today called Dollars. Uh, you got to really pay attention because the plot's kind of confusing, but it's a fun heist movie. Uh, pretty stylish. Um, so I've been I've been going through that like I see that Bridges of uh, a Madison County is now on HBO so I'll probably check that out hmm. like it's like I noticed that on my letterbox of most watched actors of all time there's no women on there and so I'm just trying to get Meryl Streep like in there just like this, that's the closest one. <laughs> um, I I actually have a few women in mind but like I need to like. I, I, I'm kind of bothered by the fact that on Letterboxd, that if you look at my most watched directors, that it's just Spike Lee and a bunch of white dudes. And amongst, oh, yeah. and amongst those white dudes are Brian Singer and uh, Woody Allen. So it's like, I mean, I feel like I could like, I need to have like, I need to like up the quotient of like good people and non-white dudes just in there. And I need mine to like, try pretty, and fix it. Mine is pretty, like, I, there's an explanation for this. Like, mine is pretty bad in, like in that regard too, because like, um like so with the in terms of like people of color the only people of color in turn and like most watched directors is spike lee and akira kurosawa right and and for most watched actors the only people of color is then is uh samuel jackson and Lawrence fishburne but like you don't have denzel in there the explanation as to why it skews so male and so uh non-white now, there's a couple of things I could do with, like, the director so you maybe get it less non-white, right? But with, like um, – but in both cases, like, the, the thing is, it's, like, I watch a lot of movies and I've seen a lot of the canonical stuff. And so, like, if you're just – it's just – the thing is just, like, how the Hollywood power dynamics are structured, uh, unfortunately, is just that, you know, like – George Clooney makes a lot of movies like and so like you just like if you just were someone that was just keeping up you're gonna end up having seen more of his work than you know an actor or or a filmmaker who has a lot more uh, problems you know getting shit financed you know so like I'm doing my best. Meryl, you're you're mm-hmm. almost there. <laughs> See, you've you've just watched more movies than me, so you've a lot of these men have probably just run up their numbers for you. Uh, yeah, like Woody Allen is just like I went through his yeah. entire filmography. Yeah, no, no, nothing wrong with that. I was thinking more when I said that. I was thinking more of the actors because like I actually have more female actors than that in mind. Like I, I, I like Anna Kendrick, Elizabeth Banks, Scarlett Johansson, Octavia Spencer. Like I think off the top of my head, I think they're all right there. So, yeah, and they would all be like maybe with the exception of unless I really tried. Like it would be. They would be almost like impossible. Like it's just they would be impossible for because they just haven't made as many movies as as John Goodman. 
And so, like, it just would be impossible at this point, especially if they're pretty young in their careers. I, I want I want more Sofia Coppola movies. I want more Kelly Reichert movies. They just don't make them often enough. They will get there if they keep making them. I'll keep seeing them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, Sofia Coppola, it, it would be impo- if I w- I've seen every single – that's yeah. the thing. I've seen every Sofia Coppola movie. It's impossible for her to meet my most watched directors list because – she, you know, I think like uh, I think she's only made like seven movies in her career, uh, whereas like the my like in terms of like the bare minimum you have to uh, make that list for most watched directors is twelve. So you know, it, it just the only female director I can even think of that like comes close to that is either Agnes Varda or Catherine Bigelow. Um, and you're also and Claire, like, Claire Denis if you see enough of them, but I, I'm I'm still working my way up on that too. Yeah, true, 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 true. And yeah, you know, again, I'm, I'm trying to correct these blind spots. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying. Fair enough. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of different things you can do to correct your blind spots while you're quarantining and watching movies every once. So highly recommend that everyone do that. Um, and the other thing I should announce here, I'm I'm just going to be out of new movies to talk about because I just found out First Cow was pushed back to the end of the year. I've been heavily promoting the podcast I was going to do with Ben on that that we've been talking about for almost two years now. And now that who knows when that's going to happen. So I'm going to start talking about old movies. So I already I already have some ones already in mind that I'm going to do with different people, but I will take suggestions. So you can comment on my Facebook if you're just a Facebook friend, if you're someone that just follows the Twitter or only listens to the pod. You can uh, tweet at us, Rewind Movie Pod, uh, Gmail, the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. If you have an old movie you'd like to hear us talk about, let me know because I'm looking for like interesting reasons to talk about stuff. I just don't want to do like, hey, that movie's really popular because there's already a pretty good podcast that does that called The Rewatchables that I highly recommend. And I'm just trying to think of like interesting things to talk about. Like I think, um, like my friend, my friend Adam, who does the podcast a lot, one of his favorite movies is My Cousin Vinny. But I think a cool reason for me to talk about My Cousin Vinny would be that I haven't watched it since I went to law school and now I've been a practicing lawyer for four years and I might like pick up some different stuff and have different things to say our friend Daniel uh has been trying to get me to watch the raid for like three years and like everyone else is like always telling me to watch the raid so it's like maybe I should finally do that because like it seems like it's a university beloved movie so different I'm looking for like different reasons to like check stuff out okay so, I got a pitch for you I got a pitch for okay you. I was gonna pitch you on something too but you can go ahead okay here's uh, what was your pitch for me well I know you're a very big Albert Brooks fan and yeah. I've and one of the b- bigger ones of his that I kind of been wanting to watch for a while, but just haven't got around to, is Lost in America. So oh, I thought that'd be I thought that'd be like a fun thing for us to do. I, I know you're fond of I him. Was, I was I've been in the mood to rewatch that one. I don't really rewatch stuff a lot, but I've been in, in the mood to rewatch that one. Well, this, so, is yeah. gonna be, this is gonna be about me watching stuff for the first time. It can be something else that someone else wants to watch for the first time, but or like my friend Joe who does the Pixar stuff. Like there's like a handful of Pixar movies I haven't seen, like the Cars movies, the Good Dinosaur, like the bad ones. Uh, the Cars movies, the Good Dinosaur, um, and like Brave. So I was gonna be like, hey Joe, like I'm gonna watch one of these Pixar things so I can become a Pixar completist. You wanna talk about that? So I'm trying to think of like random reasons to watch movies that like people might care about, but they're not like the most popular re- movies. But what's your pitch? Oh, I was gonna say like uh, <laughs> we do a bunch of movies about like teachers, not tell you which ones are the most accurate. Shockingly, Kindergarten Cop. Pretty, pretty fair representation of classroom management. Interesting. I mean, like, which is weird because you teach high schoolers. You don't teach kindergartners. No, uh, I, one time I subbed for kindergarten, and that movie's pretty – that one's pretty real. Interesting. Um, I mean, I can think of a teacher movie to do with you that I'd really enjoy. I mean, there's a lot of teacher movies out there, you know? Um, yeah. to talk about Stand and Deliver? You want to talk about uh, uh, Mr. Holland's Opus? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, only pretty saccharine, but like the, like Dan- the dangerous, one- dangerous liaisons. Um, 
Oh, usually, dangerous, dangerous, dangerous mind. What is it? The Michelle yeah, Pfeiffer thing. Mind. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, usually, yeah no, they're usually pretty saccharine. You pretty much always have like the white savior narrative, mm-hmm. where like get, like a white person going yeah, to like. Seek and relate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one actually, the the one that flips it is to serve with love, where it's Sidney Poitier going to a ghetto in England, where he's just teaching, um, like like tough white british kids <laughs> i lean on me is a great movie too just thinking of other ones too uh great Which ones lean on lean on me morgan freeman oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's where he's a principal yeah, yeah. no I'm like i can tell you you like, smoke crack you smoke crack kid i forgot what that kid's name is now that the kid that smokes crack oh man god damn it but no but no yeah so uh taking suggestions um sure all my all my rotating guests will have something good to talk about uh so i'm looking forward to doing that because i've I, I just i see no reason to stop doing this because there's not new movies because like what else do people have to do but watch movies at home so i think it'd be like kind of a good natural transition into just doing that while we're on this unfortunate hiatus and hopefully the movie theater industry is able to kind of come back strong but we gotta we gotta keep on keeping on here while we can so uh josh thanks again for joining me uh everyone else thanks for listening we'll see you next time